firstly, I panicked. I was starting to flap because I was thinking, it's, I'm not getting any closer. What is going on? And I kept looking up, kept looking up, thinking I'm still not getting any closer. And in the end, someone on the boat said to me, stop looking, get your head down and just swim. Welcome to the Total Fit Podcast, your go-to for all things holistic health, fitness and wellness. Whether you're a coach, seasoned gym goer or just starting your fitness journey, this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Total Fit Podcast. Uh, we are joined today with Annie Shotton, who is a mum of three, a nurse in the NHS, and she swam the channel. And we're here talking about mental toughness. Annie, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Good to have you with us. So when we, so I've known you for a bit of time through church, through coaching you in the gym. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you've said it already. I'm, yeah, I've got three kids. They are 12, 10 and 8. I've been married for, I don't know, nearly 16 years. I'm a nurse. Uh, I love the outside. Um, I love the sea. I love mountains and trees. I love having adventures. Um, yeah, and love having time with my mates. Awesome. And when did you decide to swim the channel? So... I think it was Christmas Eve 2018 I did the deed and signed up for it. Um, it's probably been six months in the making, kind of slowly coming, having this desire to do it and then just testing out the water. Was it was it feasible? Could I do it with my family and my job? Literally testing out the water. <laughs> um, and yeah, prayed about it as well, actually, but just trying to make sure it was a right decision and a decision that could because it wasn't just me it's my whole my family as well and my job so could I could I bring that into the mix um chatting with mates about it getting asked difficult questions you know where's the money coming from blah 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 <laughs> all those horrible questions that you don't want to be asked but actually you do need to think about um and then yeah finally Christmas Eve I was like all right let's do it so how long was it in the thought process probably probably about six months I reckon amazing um, and so six months and what was the first thing you saw in terms of someone swimming the channel and you were like that's what I want to do was it a friend was it a dream what was it so I remember growing up um, the kid the youngest lad who's ever swum the channel grew up really near me so I think I grew up with that in my head like it just as a thing in the background and I remember chatting with my dad about it as a kid um, so I guess it had been there, but probably a bit snuck away, not not as a thing on the in the forefront of my mind, but maybe on a little, very little back burner. Um, <clears throat> and then, yes, yeah, various things happened. Life got a bit tough, a bit sad, and I felt like I was in a period of change of what I'd been at home as a mum with my three kids, and suddenly they were all growing up and going to school and um, a few other bits going on. And I was like, well, what's the next bit of my life meant to look like? No one's told me about this next bit what what am I meant to do and then just this it kind of resurfaced this desire to oh maybe maybe you can swim and yeah it kind of grew from that it felt like a tiny little seed that just reappeared and um 
yeah, started growing again. Okay, so you swam the channel, you shared it with your husband, Dan, uh, awesome guy, and I'm sure, and then once you decided that, what were the steps then you took in terms of getting to swim the channel? Getting there. So I think, in term, what, in terms of like developing? Everything. So day one, day what what do you do? You, you're going to swim the channel. What did, you, what did you do? Day one was Christmas Day, and I was like, right, I need to stay in the sea a bit. We'd go for a swim on Christmas Day, and it was, it's suddenly weird. Your perspective suddenly flips. You're like, right, everything I'm doing now is building towards that thing. Um, so, I yeah, day one was Christmas Day, and I thought, right, I can't, I've got to stay in the sea for a bit longer than I normally do. So, um, did, literally went out the back, bobbed around a bit, bumped into some guy that was an editor of a massive men's health magazine, chatted with him. I looked after his kid a few weeks ago in hospital. It was all, suddenly you're like, what's happening? All these, all the, things, so, all the things started to come together, chatted with him. Um, and then, yeah, lo I, oh, what did I do next? You tell friends, you find people that have swum it already, get them to give you, got them to give me tips, what they did, started training in the pool, um, and then planned like mini, mini goals that would help me reach my big goal. Um, so booked in um, Windermere. Yeah, so that was my, so my first mini, I think I did the Dart 10K, which was like, yeah, 10 kilometers, um, did that in skins. And then I swam back from the wind farm, just off the seafront, which is about eight miles. And then I swam Lake Windermere the year before in the hope that, yeah, by the following year, I would have done half the distance. Windermere is half the distance, so then by the following year, you should be up to... Did you feel nervous about making such a big, audacious goal, having had no previous big wins in swimming? Yeah, it almost seems nuts. You think, what? And and I didn't want to say because once you had like Windermere and stuff under your belt, yeah, you start to have you're like, on the way, aren't you're on the way, yeah. you know, people are like, wow, that's yeah. But the beginning, you know, from cease, you know, going in the yeah. water at Christmas and stuff, <laughs> then suddenly to say, yeah, that's a big. Was that a challenging time, or was it? How did you handle that? Having a big goal that you're working towards, yet nothing under your belt early on. I think. I definitely started reading more about people that had done crazy things and how it often starts with something quite small um, and not to despise that, that day of small things. Like, that's how it starts, isn't it? But um, I read books on people that had climbed Everest, read um, a book about someone that had swam around Great Britain and you just it's almost like you're feeding this, yeah. feeding this thing that's growing and it's like, it's really exciting. You feel really excited, but you also don't want to have this Blase! Oh, I'm going to swim the channel yeah, yeah. because it's like you've actually got, you need, once you you got to have discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so discipline yeah. played a big role. Yeah, in and your having journey. A, having a goal so far, I think we're used to goals that are like, oh, this is a month long. I can do this for a month. But actually, having a goal that was two years away, and knowing that everything that I put in for the next two years were building towards that goal, was, yeah, I guess it felt quite daunting, but helpful as well because I knew that if I made the accomplishments on the way that was all building towards the bigger goal so how did you you're busy already you know you were mum of three you were working as a nurse in the NHS how did you carve I mean this was all during Covid as well Covid began um, during how did you carve out the time like suddenly I'm sure you were busy before you started swimming the channel 
how did you suddenly carve out all that time to complete one of the biggest endurance events on the planet? I mean, you were obviously very helpful. <laughs> but having a good structure, having a good plan for the week, um, and having pro like having a good process is massive. Um, if you just think about the big goal, but you don't have any process, you're probably not going to make it. So having a steady process like this is what this week looks like and making sure <clears throat> I need to do a long swim this day, two short swims this day and um, a strength session in the gym this day. And then being, I talk about life as a bit like bricks in the bucket. Like if it's important, it's got to go in your bucket first. So it's a big brick. So suddenly training became a big brick that had to go in. So before I planned anything else in the week, that's what went in and that's what I had to do. And I mean, I'm not, I wasn't perfect, but suddenly things have shifted. So I probably didn't see, but then COVID was quite helpful because you couldn't see your friends anyway. But you don't see your friends as much. You don't hang out as much. But I didn't feel like that was detrimental. Um, it just meant that spare time in the week that I did have in the day was, had to go to training first and then other stuff fitted around that. And then at weekends, just being flexible with Dan, chatting about kids, who can have them, when, what day works. So there's a lot of planning. You're being proactive yeah. instead of reactive. Yeah, yeah, you didn't massively. Just, you couldn't just turn up at the pool and I'm going to swim two hours here or go to... You had to be... Before even the week began, you had to set out your timetable for that week. And did you kind of do that on a weekly basis, a monthly basis? Uh, we kind of had... You have a weekly plan, but then get it... And then review it every three months or so, every four months or so. And there's one thing a lot of people, you know, can sit down, and make a plan. You know, often that is the one that eat love. You know, it's a lovely bit to sit in a cozy room with a cup of hot chocolate or coffee in the morning at a cafe and you dream out your plans for the year. You know, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. You've got these numbers and you've got this linear progression of what you're going to achieve in a, a year or two. And then there's another thing, you know, you, you get the energy for a month. There's another thing doing it day after day after day after day. How did you develop? the discipline, the mental toughness to handle that? I think, yeah, like I said, having having those mini goals and then achieving those mini goals. So for me to think, right, I'm going to try and swim eight miles um, and knowing I can't give this up because I've got to achieve a bigger goal almost gives you enough grit to keep going. And then once you've done that, you're like, oh, I've done this. I've done eight miles. I've never swam eight miles before, but I've done eight miles. And suddenly that's in the bag and it's banked. And then you stretch yourself to another slightly bigger goal. And then you know you need to do that next goal because it's all part of the big goal. But once it's banked, it's kind of boosts your confidence in what you can do and your ability because you've pushed yourself a little bit further. So in the in the training, did you ever feel like, did you ever call it or give it up? Like not, not an individual training session, but be like, actually, I can't swim the channel. Did I ever? I mean, def I think I know in the gym that's probably where I struggled strength stuff. That's where mentally I felt like, oh, I can't really do. It. I'm not very good at this. I think swimming. I feel like something. I'm I'm naturally a swimmer. It's weird. I don't know. You feel like you realise. Like I've tried to run for years, but I'm not naturally a runner. But when I swim, I feel like I'm doing something that's quite natural to me that I feel like a fish in water, whereas running, I feel like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> but so I think 
there were definitely points in the mini goals where I felt like, this is stupid. <laughs> Who would ever do this? Lake Windermere was nuts. It was so hard. It was cold. I was the only one swimming. It wasn't part of an event. I had two mates in a canoe next to me. Well, one of them, my husband, but he's also my friend. But, um, and they were just kind of canoed away from me as I shouted a bit and <laughs> said, I can't do this. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of came back down to process. You just, you know, you want to reach that mountain. You've got to reach this next tree and this next tree and this next tree. Following it and trusting the process. Yeah, trust the process. So the, one thing dive into in terms of just going back to that swimmer lake window. So Dan and Chris, they helped as your support team a year before they were in a canoe and they helped you just navigate you across Windermere and the one of the I was on them on with them on the boat when you when you swam the actual channel and one of the biggest things that Chris was just remarking about was the difference in your attitude over that year that how you positive and there was a moment where you went into like a load of jellyfish and it was stinging and you cried it was a bit overwhelming it was like halfway and a lot of us like, oh gosh, is she going to be able to recover and keep swimming without touching the boats and everything? And just your attitude became so much, your positive attitude changed over that year. Did you notice that happening and how did that happen? I think gradually, <laughs> I think <coughs> um, naturally I go into a bit of a box when I'm in pain or when I'm trying to focus on something and I've naturally want to shut people out and find strength from within which I don't think is necessarily wrong but I definitely grew in receiving strength externally from people cheering me on and encouraging me so learning not just to shut people off or shut people out but actually take in their strength and their encouragement um, but also hitting that point that I guess the more you hit the point of failure and the more you overcome it, the more you realise I can overcome it. So the first time Windermere, I think, was the first time I hit, I think it's you hit the wall. And I'd never hit a wall before. And thankfully, I had some great people to say, no, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. All the while thinking, can we get her out if we need to get her out? But that was the first time I'd hit the wall. And then a couple of times, I did some more longer swims, some more six-hour, seven-hour swims, hit the wall again. Did you ever fail at the wall? Did you ever get out in a training session and be like, no? No. Okay, so you just kept building that confidence. Because yeah. for some people, that is the, you know, they do hit and they, it's hard to come back after hitting the wall and giving up. I mean, I was properly grumpy at Windermere. I, I sulked. <laughs> I think everyone's heard that. I definitely sulked the last half, five kilometres, half of it. And But I realised, oh, I've slowed down, I've got grumpy, bloody-mindedness, I've done it, but actually, if I swim with a smile, it's, it's so much more positive than swimming grumpily and realising, actually, as soon as I slow down, that affects my stroke, it affects my technique, it doesn't help me, but you kind of only realise that as you go through that and as you have people helping you and telling you, oh, actually, when you slow, you start listing in the water, you know, you're not, you lose your streamlined effect. You know, you can't really slow down. It doesn't help you to slow down. You have to keep going. Um, so I think, yeah, having, having, having other people that have done it before around you. around you saying, oh, this is probably the wall or this is probably when your body is now 
stopping using your carbs and is burning fat. So you had coaching, you had mentorship. And what you didn't have people around you, you got in books as well. Because you've got a huge access now with the world. It's like you can have like Ross Edgley's voice in your head. This guy swam around Great Britain giving you his advice, you know, in a podcast or in a a book. So you're building that confidence and that belief. Um, One of his things is massively swim with a smile. People that get like subliminal photos of people smiling tend to go further. They did a, uh, they set up like an exercise or training program where people showed sad things and people showed smiley faces and the ones with smiley faces flashed at them were the ones that went further. And I'm like, it's, it's huge, it's huge to swim. That's a big or run or whatever. So to keep training and swimming and enjoying the process as much as, as possible. much as possible. Yeah, yeah. I remember one swim train. It was two hours. I said, right, I'm going to swim for two hours. I basically got beaten up by the sea for two hours and took the video. Of Dan took a video of me getting out of the sea. <laughs> it's so terrible. I'm like absolute knackered. I didn't swim very far. I didn't swim very fast. But I stayed in there for two hours and kind of crawled out at the end. But thinking, right, I mustn't, I've said two hours, so whether it's going to be my fastest, most beautiful two hours ever, or whether it's going to be a gritty, hard two hours, I've got to stay in there. Because you're not always going to have a personal best, you're not always going to feel like you smashed it, and that's okay. Sometimes you just got to stay in it and do it. Or realise you can go a bit slower and carry on doing just, it. But just do it. But just do it. Just do it. Do and it. get that win under your belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so bringing that in, before we move into work, there's one thing that was, I think, was fascinating me about the swimming the channel, is that it's you. There's it's a part. It's not just in a pool. There's a nature involved, and there's a very risk element in terms of you can't control the weather conditions, the tidal conditions, can affect your swim by like thirty, forty percent. You know, like you can be swimming for an extra four hours if the tide changes. You know, in terms of that, and there's a point of France where the tide starts pulling you across uh, in terms of, and you have to kind of break the tide and a lot of swimmers don't make it that last is it like a kilometre or two yeah the last maybe mile is something it's not terrifying because you can see it and I remember you entering it and there's a the current pulling you across the side and you have to be able to break it to get to the the shore in terms of it when that moment came and it was you had to swim you had to suddenly swim you're actually swimming for 12 hours then you have to pick up the pace in terms of where did you get that drive from? In terms of was it just training? In terms of having it under the belt, or did you have to dig it anywhere deeper? I remember. Or were you just like a trained horse where you just didn't even think about it? And you just, no, no, I and definitely you just was thinking about just... it. I was like, they lied to me. <laughs> they said I'd get there soon, and I'm not. Oh, yeah, there. sorry about that. But it wasn't your spider time. I forgive you. <laughs> but um, I remember. Firstly, I'd panicked. I was starting to flap because I was thinking, it's, I'm not getting any closer. What is going on? And I kept looking up, kept looking up, thinking I'm still not getting any closer. And in the end, someone on the boat said to me, stop looking, get your head down and just swim. It's almost like you have to be stupid, just do what you're told. So I was like, okay, I've got to stop looking and I've just got to swim. And then it it was changing my mindset again, thinking I thought this was going to take me half an hour. I now have to be happy if it's going to take me three hours. And once you let it go a little bit and you think, right, this might be longer, this might be harder, but embrace that and just do process again. I thought, oh, I can do process again. So I almost, I was peaceful with that it might take me three more hours. Just just let go that it wasn't going to be as quick as I wanted it to be. 
and thought, right, all I have to do is keep swimming one arm in front of the other. Back to the process. Swim for half an hour, have a little drink. Swim for another half an hour, have a little drink. Cause I can, when it's in those little chunks, you know you can do it. But I definitely think that ability to, I don't know, stop stressing out and just be cool with the fact that it might take longer than I wanted it to came through training and thinking, okay, it's going to be harder and it's going to be a bit longer. But at the end of the day, this is why the thing everyone's like, the channel's amazing. At the end of the day, I was going to be in my own bed. It's not like a, a challenge that went on for months and months and months. I had that. Even if it takes 24 hours, I'll still be in my bed within 24 hours. This is like a long shift. This is with a bit of extra time. Because how long was the whole distance that you swam? I probably swam about 40 kilometres, I think. It was 12 hours, 47 minutes? 12, yeah, 45. 45. Yeah. That's big. So one thing more, just in terms of that, it's interesting where you did a lot of your training on your own. So even in COVID... I remember when the pools are closed, we had to get you, you got a rower and, and had to do yeah. like five hour stints on a rower just to keep your aerobic base. <laughs> yeah. And you just use that process of breaking it down. Because there's one thing, if you had a team of you swimming the channel, you have accountability, you you need to be there for each other. And as a, you're an actual leader, you lead in the NHS as a nurse, um, you feel responsible to be there for other people so that they can train. But you were just on your own, which is for so much of that, and you develop that toughness is, is very phenomenal. Do you think that's a characteristic thing of you or do you think other people can still do those? I think I'm probably naturally, I am stubborn. And if someone says, like having someone, for example, you saying to me, right, this week you're going to row for two hours. I'm like, right, I can't go back and say I haven't done it. So that accountability is really helpful. Having someone that you know is going to say, have you done this? So you're going to do have, it on your own, have a coach. Have accountability, or, yeah. Or a manager, yeah. or like a support network. Yeah, definitely. Having people never, around you. Because you're never on your own. No, and it's weird. I kind of thought swimming's really solitary, but it's not, like, some parts of it are, but actually the bigger picture is having people around you that are encouraging you, supporting you, keeping you accountable. Um, having a bit of stubbornness in there always helps, I think. <laughs> so how have you brought that in? to your day-to-day -day into your work, working in the NHS with that mental toughness in terms of everything going on at the moment with, um, with the NHS under huge strain and struggle. Have you managed to apply anything from your training into your work life? Huge. It's partly having, having swum the channel, there's a little bit in me that's, that now says to myself, you swam the channel, you can do this. Like there's a, you know what you've done before, and that almost gives you a bit of a boost, Anna, for what you can do in the future. You're like, actually, this is what I've done. This is what I'm capable of. Crack on, you can. Because I think mentally you're, I don't know, it seems like your mind's more willing to <laughs> say you can't do it and shut, shut your body down. But you're like, no, I've, we've trained, we've practiced this. You can pipe down a little bit because I, I know what I can. I can do more than I think I can. Yeah, so constantly looking back at the gain of, of what you've achieved um in terms of past no i think it's very good and and ma a massive thing is process like can i physically save the nhs no can i do the part that i'm called to do yes which is have a good attitude care for people do my job as well as i can and end the day you'll be in your bed and end the day i'm in my bed <laughs> exactly <Done. laughs> that's all good days <laughs> i can handle it so i 
the process is such a big thing. And the, I mean, not to say there's, like I have days when I go home crying because I just feel really sad. Times when I, I, the other day I had a flappy day. I'll, I'll be like, guys, I'm starting to flap. I'm not sure I can manage my workload. But then again, people around you, right, stop. What do you need to do? What can I do for you? Da, da, da. Break it down, slow it down. Having, te- having good teams a massive part of that. But so it's not like I'm unflappable or don't get sad or don't get tired. But you've def- I've definitely built what got built over the swim has been built into my life. And there's a resilience there. There's a positivity there. There's a there's a process there. Um, and the situation of not being overwhelmed, which can be the biggest thing for all of us. You know, when we get overwhelmed, we're not doing anything. And and stuff is overwhelming, but it's I can't hold it all. I think realizing actually it's not all in my hands. I can't hold it all. Someone bigger than me is doing that bit, <laughs> so I do my bit. <laughs> So what would you say to um, any nurses and doctors listening to this at the moment in terms of just things that you've helped you handling the situation going on with work? A thing that I haven't mentioned is knowing your why. So why was I swimming? Having, having a solid answer to that question, why, is really helpful because when things get tough, you go back to it and you say, what was my reason for this? What, what was, was your reason, reason for it? I felt I felt like it was an adventure to be had and I felt like it was a a bit of a pathway into the next stage of my life. And sounds a bit mental, but I wanted a pebble off the beach in France. So everything every mini swim I did up until that point I collected a pebble. So I was like, if I want that French pebble, I've got to get this little pebble and this little pebble. So I have a little drawer of pebbles. <laughs> my French pebble is the best pebble. But yeah, I. Uh, and so, with the NHS, knowing your why for workers, knowing knowing your why, like, why am I there? Because I want to help people. I want to care for people. Because it's a privilege to be with people in what's probably no one wants to go to hospital. It's generally one of the worst times of your life if you're in hospital. But the fact that I can get to be there and help people through that is a massive privilege. And. Sometimes I don't do it as well as I want to. I don't have the resources to do it as well as I want to, but that doesn't mean I can't do it at all. And, um, yeah, I just, I still want to be there. I still want to do that. I still believe in the heart of the NHS, which is providing care for anybody and everybody, regardless of whether you can afford it or deserve it. Or I love that heartbeat of it, and I think I want to be part of that. And... I know, I know some people <laughs> could go and work in Lidl, <laughs> but I'm like, can I? I can't actually, I know I can't do it because I don't believe in that. I believe in, I believe in helping people in, in that rough situation and the tough time that they're in. And um, I can bring light in that and hope in that and make it better for people. So I want to do it. Amazing. And so, yeah, that's just even touches hugely as we round off in terms of just how the physical, you know, in terms of the actual thing you did was linked into the spiritual of knowing your identity and knowing your like real purpose of why you were doing something, your core values uh, in terms of that. And then into the mind, all the mental challenges and discipline that comes with it. So you yeah, have the whole three working and how that plays off 
it's so connected even what you did there into into your daily life and your work and your family life and everything in terms of that um amazing and i just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and talking and just yeah it's been a pleasure to have known you Kochi will keep knowing you uh and everything you're doing you're always a very driven athlete but you carry a humility with you in everything you do uh, which is amazing so thank you so much and looking forward to your next adventure <laughs> thank you